I did it again. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. It would have made the perfect Nokia ad if they had hired Patrick Stewart to just say, engage, and then, you know. Yeah, that's a wasted opportunity. I mean, maybe he didn't want to do it. Maybe he knew what crap it was and said no. Might be. Maybe. I think that was the engage's sub title is a wasted opportunity <laughs> it's so accurate also joining yeah, but us you guys are bringing oh, it back also joining us is your co-host spaz hello and my friends we have two guests this evening joining us uh from seattle we have travis baldry howdy howdy and joining us from idaho we have howie day hi how's it going <laughs> Welcome back, both of you. We are here to talk about uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, the ne- the next game in the Rebel uh, Galaxy series, which is uh, which we're all disgustingly, horrifically excited about. In fact, I know I keep bringing up I got a new computer, but your game is one of the reasons I got a new computer. So sadly, you you really probably don't need a new computer. Yeah, you, you don't need that. I know, but I, I mean, I guess I, if you want I, to run it in 4K, it'll be a OK. <laughs> yeah, a O 4K. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it's kind of funny because Tra- Travis, we had you for Rebel Galaxy on a while back, but Howie, we haven't talked to you in like five goddamn years. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, we uh, had you back on episode, folks, this is funny, we had you back on episode 27 when we were still in double digits uh, (laughs) to talk about Wings of St. Nazaire, which is the game you were working on at the time. Yeah. Still not out. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, it's my fault. I'm very much following the uh, uh, Duke Nukem Forever uh, timeline there. Literal forever. (laughs) Yes. So, the... The thing, though, whenever I first saw a screenshot, uh, well, I, I I guess the first thing that we saw was that April Fool's trailer. Show. <laughs> yes. As soon as I saw that, I thought two things. I thought, one, that's not a joke. And two, <laughs> Howie Day is involved in this shit because it looks so much yeah. like Wings of Saint is there. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. In the best and, way. You know, in the best. Yeah. Way. yeah. But it, but it was like I was right on both counts. Yep. So there you go. Well, the fun thing about that uh, April Fool's thing is that the art assets and stuff that I used for it were, I think at the time we put them in, 10 years old. Yep. So I, I did old. that for some other game I was working on called Wing Commander Pioneer that never got off the ground. I could never get oh. it going. Oh, wow. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so all that art and stuff was finally like brought to life by Travis in this engine, and man, it was it was super cool. Like it, it was a lot of fun zipping around, uh, um, you know, Wing Commander Privateer again, and all this, and seeing all the artwork that I made years and years ago, but I thought never come into it, it was actually being a game, like actually in a game and working. It was great. Yeah. Well, and then you guys showed off the the um, the Star Wars concept thing with yep. the millennium falcon and that and oh my god that was amazing and that you guys showed that before the the April yeah, yeah thing, travis, did that, travis did that on his own before i uh i was employed with the uh, yeah double damage so it, it's kind of it's funny because there's this parallel that that's there and i and i hope that you guys have the same success 
as this other guy. So I, I was talking to Dave Westman, who who worked for LucasArts and you know was involved in Battlehawks forty two and and uh, like secret weapons of the Luftwaffe. And he said one day this kid came in and he had he had reverse engineered the rotoscope technique that they used for doing sprites as airplanes and stuff. And he'd made this really cool star Wars game. And of course he's coming into LucasArts to pitch this and he's showing like X wings and tie fighters and stuff in it. And LucasArts turned it down. So then he went and changed the assets and called it wing commander and sold it. So then LucasArts was like, Oh shit, we need to, (laughs) we need to make an X wing game right now. And that's how those guys ended up making that. Um, So, I just I, I think it's it's the irony of like you guys took that and then showed it to I don't know the mouse I guess it wasn't Lucas at that point was it, it was EA and EA and they were like ah eh, maybe not right so yeah and oh EA even better right because Origin um, yeah <laughs> it's it's just like a tight loop of irony there so hopefully that you eat their lunch completely. So yeah, I mean, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw went through a little circuitous train of events before it became the, the game that it actually is. Um, originally, we weren't going to make it at all. It was going to be, we were making, I was making a prototype for a totally different game, which was a, uh, it was an RPG that had like little figurines and you moved them around dungeons and it had a combat system based around like physically launched dice. Like you'd ricochet them around like pinballs and whatever the dice would resolve to, that would be the damage that would be applied to the things that you hit. And it was pretty cool, but it was going to take a lot of character art. And then after, I don't know, a month of fiddling around with that, I just decided to put fighters into the original Rebel Galaxy just for the hell of it because I wasn't completely sick of the game anymore. Yeah. Um, well, and we're still waiting on the DLC. Like, when? Yeah, it'll never happen. No. Never. Wow. I'm, I'm just not a big believer in DLC, honestly. No, that's fine. Mostly because I'm, by the time I'm done working on a game, I feel like all of my flesh has been burned off and people are pouring salt on it, and so I just don't want to be around it anymore. Wow. Hang on, hang on. That's probably one of the most brutally honest things we have ever heard on the Space Game Junkie podcast. Shipping what? games is hell, man. And you ship them and you're not done, and then everything goes wrong for approximately two months when you're at your worst. So, so if you ever you know, want to hate a game, make it. Just yeah, exactly. When you're done with wow. it, you just oh god, you just don't even want to think about it. So you know you got to have some cooling off time. But enough cooling off happened, and um, the original plan was to do combo fighter and capital ship combat, which is what I originally prototyped. So you could switch at will between the capital ship and and whatever your support craft were, and you could kind of see that in the Star Wars thing where it was switching between ships. Um, but just was never happy with the combination of those things because for the broadside combat to work, it had to be on a plane. And if you took it off the plane, the controls got too complicated. If it was on the plane, it just felt really weird to be flying around when all the capital ships were, were on that kind of oceanic line and it just didn't gel. It was too complicated and there were too many weird issues with what if your fighter blows up, you know, or what if your capital ship blows up, but the other one's fine. And it was just, it was a mess. So, so in this one, you're gonna you're gonna be in the fighters only, but the capital yeah. ships are still around. Or yeah, there's capital ships, but now they they aren't constrained because they don't have to rely on a broadside combat system that means that they have to you know horizontally line up. Mm. Well, and I mean so, that would be yeah. interesting if they still did that. You know, it, it'd be 
kind of like well, they can the fire broadsides, broad but they but, oh. they can. You don't have to control your depth. So right. the challenge so when, when piloting one is how do you control your depth? And is it like a submarine? And how 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 low can you go? If the right. fighters can go down infinitely, how far can your capital ship go down? It's just very weird, and it added a whole other control that you had to do, and it was just not fun. Right, but it, but if the AI is doing it and the player doesn't have to worry about it, yeah, then it doesn't it matter. Look pretty darn cool. So, so yeah. I just remember in Free Space Two, some of the best moments was when you got caught between two capital ships that were duking it out, and you just prayed like, "Please don't hit me while you're." You know, because it, it, all it takes is that beam to graze you and it'll just blow you away. Um, so it, it gave you a lot of respect for for capital ships like banging away at each other. Yeah. And we want the, you know, the spectacle of big capital ships duking it out and, you know, being able to blow parts off of them. But hmm. so do you do you get into uh, a mode where like since, since you're a fighter, then you're not going to be hauling like massive piles of cargo around? But can, well, you can you hire much a capital bigger, ship? You can get much bigger fighter-style ships. I mean, you can mm. have hauler ships that are kind of like the equivalent of like a semi-truck that have multiple turrets on them that can be manned and that can carry a lot of cargo and are big lumbering beasts. But they're not at the capital ship scale. Just like the just galaxy. Like just like the galaxy in Privateer, basically. Huh. It's yep. so yeah. weird. I know, right? Who'd thought? Yeah, but, there, there are no parallels but I mean, to Privateer here. But I, but I mean, like some some games have have had it where you could actually hire another ship. Like in uh, in Rebel Galaxy, you would hire you would hire a fighter. Yeah, kind of Privateer too. But I don't want to talk about that. Game that's not. Yeah, that's not. That's not. Uh, that's not yeah. And you can you get uh, hirelings in this one as well, but you don't hire them. They become unlocked by uh, story events, and then you can switch between uh, them, and then you oh, can okay. call them up. Because it's like nothing's more miserable than an escort quest, you know, where it's like, don't let this thing get killed unless you bought that thing and it's yours and you don't want it to get killed. So then you escort it. So I didn't know if maybe you guys went that route or it kind of sounds like not so much. I mean, we haven't done anything where you're hiring like a I mean, we could do something where you're hiring a ship to haul stuff around, but we have not done it. Um, And I don't know if it would be fun or not. And yeah, because the. things are so open and you decide halfway to go do something else. Is it, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you'd be tied to it until it got to where it was going. I don't know that that's maybe more the territory of like an X game or something. Yeah. And this is very like not an, X. That's X for sure. Re- yeah. An X rebirth. <laughs> it's like you're flying the Albion skunk, but you can hire these like super freighters and then you have to kind of shepherd them around. So, so I mean, the game went through a couple evolutions on the way to being what it is. For a while, it had a much more Star Wars aesthetic that we were working with. More of an Empire Strikes back kind of vibe to it. Um, so, originally, ships were built that way. And what did we do? We, we built the... Uh, we pitched the Star Wars thing to EA... They said no. We figured they would, or if that they said yes, that it would be Wait, so you actually you know, pitched horrible. It? You actually pitched it, and they said, "Oh no. yeah, we contacted EA and went through the channels and pitched no. the Star Wars thing to them." This is pre um, some one of the battlefronts. Oh, um, for God's sakes! And what but they were like, "Oh yeah, but we, you know, if you want to do something else, you know, let us know if there's some other thing you want to do." Um, and <laughs> we started thinking about it, and about that time, we took all of Howie's assets from the Pioneer thing. And put together like the first chunk of privateer. So it was the first few solar systems and you could, 
you know, get the ships and it had the retros and the pirates and, you know, you, all the stations were where they were supposed to be. And you could play, you know, a couple hours of privateer. Um, and we thought briefly about saying, well, maybe we pitch doing a privateer for EA, you know, since they said, hey, if you want to do something else. But, you know, the more I thought about it, I, who wants to make somebody else's property successful that isn't yours? Yeah. And also deal with the totally. constraints that they would put on yeah. you. You know, and yeah. So and I was wondering became, when you showed that thing off, did you just try to get the name or something? No, but, no, we didn't. Never, no. We never did. We never pursued it. We, I th- we talked really briefly about it. And Hallie can correct me if I'm misremembering this. But then my thought was, well, why don't we just make effectively privateer? It's just it's ours. You know, the idea is the, the concept is what if Origin didn't get bought by EA and their style didn't change toward polygonal art where everything was kind of reduced and it was constrained by the limits of technology at the time and that style had somehow evolved all the way to now basically the way that Howie makes art for things like Saint Nazaire and the work that he did for Pioneer you know what would that game look like if it wasn't actually privateer but was in the spirit of that and what if we just did that um would you say that's pretty accurate Howie yeah uh I remember the conversation about whether or not we should go uh, for the Wing Commander license to be a lot shorter than what you're making out. Like, we pretty much eliminated... Oh, it was like a day. Yeah, we were like, no, that's not, like, that. that there's so much uh, political stuff involved in that, and, like, I, uh, just, just making sure all the diehard fans are happy with it would just be... It, it'd be hard, really hard to do right. And like, well, and like a lot of things, it's think, the diehard fans of previous eras is like usually kind of actually a small group. <laughs> I know, but, <laughs> but both very vocal. And if you do it right, they're, they're great. Like, at you know, pushing the game for people to, to try it out. But I mean, you just, I don't know. It was just one of those things where you, when we were done, we were like, no, not, 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 not worth it. Let's let's do our own thing. So we took it. We mashed it together with Rebel Galaxy and decided to do a prequel. So because it was the only character that made sense to use, and uh, it also gave an excuse to basically kind of retcon and do the ships completely differently because it was a previous era. Um, and there we are. Yeah, that's super cool, though. Um, so the way that, uh, like, the reception on Rebel Galaxy, right? Is I love the whole broadside thing that was going on, and I think that that game works best as the 2D flat space thing that it is, um, it, just because of the approachability of it. And there's a the whole deal of, of like I played a lot of tabletop miniatures stuff, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, and it, and it talks to me on that level. And then you know the the stuff about the the complexity basically you know, like firing angles and stuff. And it's, it's enough, right. Without putting that whole 3d thing in. But then there was like that, that group of people that was, that was like, Oh my God, why, you know, why is it 2d? I can't believe it. You know, it's, it's so whenever you guys showed this off, then I saw the opposite. There is a, a few people that were like, wow, that's cool. You know, it's in 3d. And then there was some people that were like, man, I'm, I'm really bummed. It's not 2d anymore. Oh, sure. Yeah. I totally expected that. But the number of people who are bummed about that is incredibly smaller than the number of people who complained yeah. about, you know, the uh, the more naval planar aspects of things. So the response to this announcement was way better than the response to the previous game. 
Yeah, people only been waiting 30 years for this thing. So, no you pressure. know, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> now we just got to finish. <laughs> yeah. You got to we got to we got to finish. Well, yeah, so so where is it at right now? Like how what needs finished? Cuz basically it's making spaceships and scripting made. missions and recording dialogue. Yep. Okay. And Everything works. All the systems are in place. It's just then, grinding that so, content in there. And then the mission editor and the workshop support. And, and yeah, and all that. the editing stuff will do post, post-release. post I'm not going to hold it up for that. Oh, um, seriously? Okay. There's no way I'm shipping a tool set and a game at the same time and on consoles. Oh, yeah, that's be, true. There's consoles. We'll, we'll, we'll package them up and spend some time, you know, making sure it's nice and user-usable after the fact. Um, I mean, there may be some stuff that we release at release, you know, here's the max plugins or whatever, but like the actual editor where you can lay out like interior scenes and do that kind of stuff and documentation for the conversation system. And, you know, that stuff takes time to assemble and holding up the game. Oh, to do I it. didn't realize you guys were going to give us the whole bag. Yep. So I'll just unpack the data, so, you know, I so mean, that's the, why we don't need DLCs because we're going to make it. Um, okay. I mean, the model format will just give out the max plugins. There's a there's an in-house editor that we use for laying out scenes and uh, layouts for missions. And uh, the scripting language and the conversation stuff is all plain text. You know, yeah. it's just a kind of a tag-based, you know, system that's reasonably human-readable. It just needs some documentation mm-hmm. so you know all the tags that you can use. Um, the UI is all text-based layouts, mm-hmm. so it's not like it's a complicated proprietary binaries that you have to have special editors for yeah are the missions set up kind of like the the old x-wing format sort of thing i don't know if you ever messed with xv i mean or uh, or fred or i mean it's there there's there's obviously similarities because you're spawning things but it's a little more complicated than that because it's not so explicit it, it has a lot of ability to be not so explicit mm-hmm. um so that you can have random like hierarchical chains of things that can happen um it's probably more complicated. I mean, there's like tagging ships to be included in a cinematic and, you know, everybody mm-hmm. can communicate and you can have interior cockpit cameras. There's a lot of stuff that you couldn't do in X-Wing. Right. Um, Is this a lot of that has to work within the context of an open world where there are ships that don't belong in the mission. Right. So did you create a tool for yourself to do that? It's just not public facing. There's, or, I mean, there's two there's you components to it. There's layout, which is just like, oh, here's an object and it can be, it will be spawned here relative to this location in the mission. But all mm-hmm. the actual event scripting is in text. There's a sets of events and conditionals that I just script out that are based upon the IDs that are assigned to ships that controls okay. how these things happen. Um, yeah. Cause some, I've had people tell me, you know, it's like to make a tool for yourself to do it is as much work as making the game sometimes. So they just like whip out notepad and, you know, yeah. And I do a lot of stuff. stuff I do a lot of stuff in notepad plus plus. I mean, we do have a tool that does a lot of things that you couldn't otherwise do. You're not going to be laying out models for interior scenes for bars and notepad. That's just not doable, but um, there's, it's a combination of a tool where you visually lay out where things are and you can edit a lot of things like, uh, spawning groups and ship data and weapons data and then the events for missions and conversations themselves are all just plain text because there's so many variables and so many things that you can do that building a tool for it especially since i'm the only one building those doesn't make any sense right 
So, uh, so how he does the art, you do all the programming. What, what does Eric even do? Do you need that does, guy? Eric does, uh, he, like historically he'll do all kind of like the long-term balance for the game. He manages the economy. Um, he'll do a lot of random mission design, taking the components that I build for like story missions and a set of random missions. And then he will extrapolate further and add more random missions. Um, and, you know, just kind of be involved in the design process and mm-hmm. we'll go back and forth and hammer things out. Eric, we, have, cool. we have, uh, we have two other guys. We have uh, Jeff Mianowski, who's our character artist. Um, making all the characters and uh, Colin Turner, who does all the animation. And and Eric's quite a talented artist on his own, so he's really valuable for art feedback. For you know, things are looking funky, he'll give us a heads up. No, sorry to sidetrack. No, I, was, I was just picking on him because he didn't show up. So I, I understand he's, he's a little sick, under the weather. Dude, he's sick. Come on. Um, what do you do? Go to BlizzCon and like rub the wrong doorknob or something? I don't think Eric was a BlizzCon attendee. <laughs> we, do have, we have one question from the audience so far. It's not related to Rebel Galaxy Outlaw at all. Uh, is St. Nazaire still in development is the question. Howie? Yes, and it's called Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. You're not Howie. <laughs> you still here, Howie? Howie? Oh, no. Uh-oh. Howie. Oh, he's there. He's okay. logged in, but no audio. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, he might have had this. Oh, oh. There he uh, now he's back. You there, Howie? Howie? Love doing it live, folks. Just love, Ooh. love doing it live. <laughs> well, apparently that question was too powerful for Howie. Just blew him right out of Discord. Oh, my That's God. right. Blew him out, out of the it. The funny thing is he's still there. He's still in the... The chat room. Yeah, he might have had to step away, like oh, emergency crazy. thing. So, so after you took a break from Rebel Galaxy, when did you start working on this one? Um, I feel like it was in like February of the year following release. There was a lot of console stuff after Rebel Galaxy was initially released, and then you know a month or two of prototyping the other game, which is where we got the painting, by the way, because I built a painting tool for that game. And then just grafted it over because it was too cool to leave behind. The original plan was that that you would be painting all these little figurines. So it was based on like a painting, you know, yeah. little tabletop figurines. Yeah, I showed that that video where you were showing off painting the spaceship and stuff. Um, I got a buddy that is one of the developers for Substance Designer and Substance Painter. And of course, that lets you paint like right on a 3D model kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I showed him that. I was like... So this guy just kind of knocked this together, you know. So what do you think? And he was he was quite impressed. So if you if you need another job, I think uh, we can find you. <laughs> how he seems how he seems to be having some issues. He says he's working on it over on uh, YouTube. So uh, we'll just we'll just get back to him. Uh, right. So I want to know in the in the painting stuff. Uh, <laughs> Cause that's awesome. You have that option I, where you hit the button, you export the model. Santa yep. Claus brings it at Christmas. Yep. Uh, so how, how does that work? Because I, I assume there's a company that you've contracted. It's not probably a printer on your desk that does it. No, there's a company called Fabzat that uh, they also do fulfillment for WoW figure prints, uh-huh. the hero prints, I guess, among other things. And they have uh, an API for this. So we, uh, I pre-upload 
a model that's set up for printing. So you know, it has like venting holes in the bottom to remove the material and it's got to be like a, you know, an, an airtight shape. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when you basically hit the button, it uploads, it bakes out and uploads the texture that you made, pairs it with that model and pops open a web page and gives you a little slider that says, how big and expensive do you want this to be? And how expensive can it be? It's just down to how how big of a print. There's, I'm sure there's some max size of the print, but it's based on the amount of material. So it's not mm. just the size, it's the mass. So oh, the more okay. we hollow them out, the less expensive they are. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I've, I've seen some things that would look really good on my desk. I'm going to have to get, just get a bigger desk, though. And but we printed out how a did, big one, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, how does the paint work, though? Because it's, I uh, didn't know that they could print it with it's color. Printed. Sandstone. Hey, yep. he's back. And, and the color's baked in, so it's it's just part of the print. The same thing that happens when you get a WoW figure printed. Oh, that's wild. Okay, so it's sandstone. It's not... It's got this kind of gritty, like the, very... It's, it's like a cool-feeling material. It's really heavy. Right. It's hefty. It feels like a gold bl- brick. It, 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 feels, it feels valuable when you pick it up. It's really cool. Oh, neat. Yeah. yeah it was the 3D printing that I'm used to seeing is like the, you know, they'd use that plastic ribbon. Yep. Yeah. And, and this is not that this is more, this is, this is a fancier, yep. but it's also, I think a little bit more labor intensive in the end and how they have to uh, clean and uh, prepare the final printed model. Yep. Yeah. But I think you end up with a much nicer looking model because it's oh, kind of got a much nicer looking texture model. to it. You know, you don't yeah. have to file off all the weird ridges. Yep. So that's, that's a feature that, uh, Aside from WoW doing that, which that's not even in their interface, right? You, you have to do some some funkery to... But you guys actually have like a button right there in the game, like print that bad boy. And yep. I don't, I can't think of another title that has that. So I think there's a lot the first. of iPhone games that have done that using FabZat stuff, where you kind of like finger paint on your little model, or you maybe you don't even paint it. A lot of them, I think it's just a model. You can get it printed, or it's a sequence of objects that have been welded together um but it seems like that a lot of the things that use it are mobile hmm. and you can use their service to get things printed without actually uploading a texture and i think a lot of people just have models from their games available on a web store and they can just get prints of them so the the models in the game are the are the ships modular where I can actually like snap different wings and different cockpits together, or nope. are they kind of a fixed? No. Nope. Okay, so I'm just they're, they're I'm painting what's there. All right. Yeah, you're painting what's there. I mean, the only modular parts are the attachments, you know, weapon hard points and and whatever gets attached on the exterior. Um, mm. So you're not reconfiguring the ships. And there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, the ships are fairly complicated and they're also animated, so they have to be rigged and they have landing gear, and the landing gear folds up inside parts of them, and there's wow. a lot that goes into that. And then when you combine that with the fact that the cockpit needs to fit within the bounds of it and needs to match up um, so that everything appears where it should appear, it's a yeah. lot more complicated to do. Um, yeah, it sounds like you've baked in a lot more complexity than what I expected that would be in here, right? Because I'm, I'm used to like the X-Wing TIE Fighter, you know, free space kind of games. And it sounds like you got a hell of a lot more. Go- well, and in a lot of those, I mean, when you go back to those, I mean, a free space, of course, didn't have cockpits, but um, prior to that, everything is just 2D images. I mean, you have like the Freelancer era and Starlancer where people actually have 3D cockpits, but there's a lot more hand-waving in those games. (laughs) 
about where things are. And they never really map the screens in the cockpits to be anything like user usable. Uh-huh. Like they're always just like flashing lights or whatever that are kind of hovering behind the yeah. It's all static. and static. Yeah, it's all static. And crap. then yeah. you figure in that you can your character is actually physically sitting in the cockpit and interacts with the objects, and then you can cut to interior cameras that show the character sitting in the cockpit fiddling with stuff and do conversational elements. It all kind of has to hang together. And so where things are matters a lot. Yeah. The, the most impressive feature. And I wish if you just made a separate app that would put this in whatever game that I'm playing, um, the ability to fly the bird at the windshield, whenever (laughs) you're fighting with somebody um, that that's amazing. I laughed so hard the first time that I saw and just to, just to have a chunk of art still in like original wing commander where they had that in there. It's buried in the the data in in the original wing commander. They had like some, a couple of hand signals. They had a thumbs up and a bird that were just not used in the game, but they're in the data. Really? Yep. How did I not know that? That's amazing. I'm sure if you, I'm sure if you look through the WC news, you can find it. One of the best sites on the internet. No question. I yeah, have so a what long did, history with those guys. Yep. That's where Howie so, and I met is WC yeah. News Forum. No way. Wait, what? A like long a decade and a ago. half ago or something. Oh, no. It's longer than that. Um, it's longer than that? Yeah. It's like 2001. Oh, so I followed Howie's art for a long time. Because um, obviously we're both Wing Commander fans. We wouldn't be here doing this if we weren't. Um, and, uh, you know, I used to frequent those forums and... How he posted, you know, amazing models all the time, and uh, I ended up chatting with him there. I, I made a, well, it was like a Hornet model. It was very model. inspired by the kind of stuff that Howie was doing. I uh, thought you, I thought you just baked the textures from the, my high res model into a low res model. I didn't know. I did literally model it and texture it, it but yeah, I, know, it, I know it was it was it super was really Howie inspired. Job. Like once I looked at, it, I was like, oh, he actually went for it. That was a really good job. But at the time, I was like. It's, this dude's ripping my artwork this off. Son of a bitch. Stole my <laughs> shit. So how was so how my we, first impression of Travis was why you son of a yeah. Son of a bitch. So how uh, was how he brought on to the uh for this one? How was how he brought on? So I contacted did I contact you on Twitter? Uh I think it was yeah, it was Twitter. I feel like I contacted him on Twitter. Yes, yeah. Um and I think on your Twitter it was listed that you lived in Lewiston. Yep. And my parents live about 45 minutes from there. So I, I can't remember what the hell I said, um, but I, I tweeted. Well, I, I can tell you what you said. You probably have in your Twitter history. Um, well, and I, we ended up I, having breakfast um, and meeting up. But I don't remember if I asked you about doing stuff first or if we met first or what. Uh, well, the first thing you did is you introduced yourself and said you've been following my artwork for a long time. And I said, oh, sure you have. Because, you know, people like to say crap like that all the time. So whatever. You were like, no, 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 I can prove it. And you went back and you showed me that you had a, a, a prototype of a remake or, or a re-engineer of Free Space 2. With Vegas Strike assets that you built. With my Vegas Strike assets that I made in late 98 to 2000. That's right. And they were all flying around and and active, and it was a full game. And I was just astonished that 
And this is another example of Travis bringing art assets that I thought never would get used to life. Like those those things kind of got used, I guess, a little bit in Vega Strike, but Vega Strike never really took off as much as I, I would have hoped. Yeah, um, that was a shame. It had a lot of potential. So is is Vega Strike what uh, Privateer Gemini Gold is based off of? Yeah, it's like they used it as yeah. yeah, the foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did, uh, and I did uh, a ton of work for those guys when they were when they were in you know developing that game, and it was like a lot of fun to like like see stuff go in, but like the the actual like promise of the gameplay never really arrived. And at yeah, least ne- not until I stopped paying attention. No, it never really turned into much of a game. It was it was always kind of like a test bed, like yeah. platform thing for what turned into another game. Basically, it never really turned into its own game, which is really a shame because, like, back in those days, there wasn't much. You nope. know, there really wasn't much. <laughs> so <laughs> we really wanted that. I really wanted that to succeed. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I showed him that stuff. I yeah. feel like I asked you about doing like some contract spaceship work, and you're like, "Oh, but I'm working for Zynga, and I'm also working on this other project." Um, yeah. Well, and- I want. I didn't want you to assume I had a ton of free time, and I didn't want to lead you on and say, "Yeah, I'd love to," oh, and yeah. then be able to actually get to it. Um, because yeah, that would suck. I feel like we started doing contract stuff first and then i came and saw you in lewiston um, we were talking about star wars stuff yeah at that time, and i drug a laptop down yeah you did we we i, I hadn't done anything with you I, I don't think i actually started doing any actual he, work for you until after uh siggraph because it's i, think I was had started uh, blocking in spaceships I right we no. had like you had like spaceship widgets Right, right. And then we sort of started just throwing things together and seeing if we'd come up with a look that we liked. And then um, we weren't really doing too much success with that, I don't think, until after SIGGRAPH. And that was when you were putting together the um, the Star Wars pitch. Like, you yeah, were yeah. throwing assets in that, and I was getting updates on my phone at SIGGRAPH, and I had this big, silly grin on my face, you know, the entire time. And people were asking, like, what's going on? I was like, I can't tell you. <laughs> uh, and I was just stoked. Um, but I mean, the gist uh, was that I said, "Why don't you do some contract stuff for a month, and you can see if you hate me?" Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and uh, if we both still like each other at the end of the month, then you know it'd be cool if you just came here and did this all the time. Yeah, that was. <laughs> and so I think that went on for a month, and then I, you know, we did it. Yep. And Zynga well, lost him. And so yeah. did another game. Yeah, I don't know if we're a lot. I should mention who they were, but yeah, it's uh, um, basically what ended up happening is a uh, uh, girlfriend and my kid and I went to Seattle to see a concert, and while we were there, we just had lunch with Travis, and he was like, "Here's an offer. You want to come work for me?" And like between the walk between the the restaurant and back to the car. The girlfriend and I had gone like, yeah, yeah, we really do. So driving back to Lewiston, I called up and said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take you up on it. That is really so, awesome. And the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do have some people in the chat wondering what's going on with Satan is there, just real quick. Oh, well, uh, uh, yeah, okay. So 
it's still very much in like production limbo, but uh, Jan and I are keeping it up to date. We just updated it into the latest uh, Unity 2018. Uh, we're working out some of the bugs on that kind of in the off hours, uh, back and forth, just trying to upgrade it and make it playable and nice. And then we're going to pop it onto a WebGL build and see if we can get that released uh, since the old Unity web player is kaput. Um, and then uh, we're going to just kind of, I don't know, go go forward from there. I still have a lot of plans for that. I still have a ton of stuff I'd love to do on it, but I am really busy on right. Rebel. Oh, of course. Like, and like... When I tend to go to do other stuff to try and relax, I try to do stuff that's not what I'm doing for my main job. So, like, I'll be working on, like, pixel art or something like that on the side instead of... Well, that's how I can tell that, that you're driven, right? Is is like, man, I'm kind of burnt out on doing the spaceship art. I'll chill out with, by doing some spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> and put them all on Twitter. No, I need a break from these spaceships. <laughs> no lie, I just I just did a bunch of uh, I just did a, a bunch of cockpit art for one of our player ships, and uh, got it all done. And now I'm working on two things. I'm working on trying to get the Wings of Saint Nazaire uh, update or not update startup animations of all the cockpit displays working in Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Whoa. And I'm having a lot of success with that. Like Ooh. that's looking really good. Um, and then on the side, after hours, <laughs> I'm working on Star Wars animation because I'm an idiot and can't can't not do spaceships. So do you do you bake mods for other games and stuff too? Or because I've seen you do a lot of art, but I but it's like you know if if I could like grab that and and stick it in a game elsewhere or something I, I didn't know if you if you actually do like complete package like here stick no. this in tie fighter or... no unfortunately not I, I i tend to get distracted before i finish things yeah um and, and i'll come back to it later and work on it then like the the last time i touched this star wars animation stuff was over a year ago or i'll take it and put it in something for you yeah exactly or Travis will just you know go hey you still got that and then it'll magically be a whole game and i won't have had anything to do with it besides the artwork but uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, uh, I, I haven't done any uh, mods for any any games recently. Uh, I I did uh, at one point. I was doing stuff for like Doom and Dark Forces and stuff like that. But uh, that's that's yeah. years, years and years ago. So, what is your toolkit? You know, like if if I wanted to be super oh. cool, like cockpit artist, what what am I using? Well, I've got uh, my primary three D art package is 3D Studio Max 2018. Um, for uh, textures, I just use Photoshop. Um, uh, for random like texture packing and like texture sheeting, I use a program called GIF or GIF New Movie Gear. It's I don't know wh- how I found this thing. It's super cheap, but it does it, it's excellent at like compiling animations in a dozen different ways. So I use that a lot. I think I got it because it supported animated PNGs uh, and nothing else did. So anyway, um, yeah. Uh, cool. Other than that, that's that's 
basically what I'm using day to day. Occasionally, I'll use Crazy Bump, mm. um, but that's like pretty rare. Uh, so, so Nazaire, it's all it's all flat bitmap, <laughs> right? And then you rotoscope it to make it look like 3D ships. So, uh, how how did that? No. Well, I'd say mostly yes. Anything capital ship size or larger is an actual 3D model because that kind of crap, when it's that size, does not resolve well to an image. Right. But I mean, like the fighters and stuff. Is yeah. all, yep, so whenever all- whenever you're doing that, I have always wondered: Does somebody you start with a 3D model and then you rotate it and yep. snap photos of it and then save yep. those as your bitmap? Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly. Because okay. I because I was wondering like. Damn! Does he have to freehand like fifty different angles of this thing? And, no. You know, or do you don't really rotoscope it? You don't. You uh, don't draw over it. You just render them out. Yeah, and and it's not fifty different angles. Uh, every ship in Wings of Saint Nazaire has five hundred and forty-four different angles. Dear Lord, Hooray, that's a lot of angles. Memory. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> and what? Do what is that? That's Unity, I didn't know. Right? Do you do you actually have those in one big sheet, like per uh, ship? It actually needs to be on. Uh, due to the resolution of each individual sprite and the maximum resolution supported by Unity, it needs to be on 16 different sheets. <laughs> and each so, one has you know, a bunch of rotations, and then we have a shader that flips between those uh, UV coordinates and those uh, uh, texture uh, sheets based on what angle you're looking at it from the camera, from its direction and heading and the camera's angle to that object's uh, location. So not to bring up something super nerdy, but I was just thinking about it in relation to this, and nobody's going to care but you and me, so I'm sorry for your podcast that I'm going to bring this up. But um, instead of doing that, uh, you could use, and this is what they did in uh, the the uh, the Supergiant game, uh, Transistor. All the animation frames are in a Bink movie, and they just yank them out as needed. And so it just decompresses which frame it needs on the fly from the Bink movie. That's fantastic. So you could have this massive list of frames, which is huge. And then you could just you could have you could have way more orientation you, options. Because you get the advantage of the compression that's built into You're Bink. just decompressing what you need instead of occupying all that texture memory at once. Anyway, nerd digression done. No, that's really cool. <laughs> now I, I now know through working on uh, Rebel Galaxy the magic of Bink. Up until working on this game, I had no idea that Bink was so awesome at all. Um, what is Bink? What is it? Bink is uh, basically what pretty much everybody uses to decode movies and play them in in games. You know, all the way back to Warcraft Two. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What What is Smacker? Because right. I remember like Bink and Smacker were like hand in hand. Yeah, a- I think Smacker is. What is Smacker deprecated now? I don't know. Yeah, I think Smacker was the original version of Bink. It was SMK files, and those are the ones that uh, Travis is talking about being in Warcraft. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the BNK files are the the videos. Oh, okay. And it runs it's, on every device known to man, you know. And quick, too. And it's fast, yeah. and it's really, really lean. So it's good for stuff like that. Yeah, sweet. Hey, so we've talked a lot about the art, but not the sound design stuff. So who who's making all the pew pew lasers and, and that pew pew. kind of effect things? That's pretty much me at this point. Um, yeah. 
So how, how do you do that? I mean, are, are um, you... usually it's um, it's built from a, a set of different sounds from different libraries. So okay. license different sets of like weapons, fire, and you know just just a wide range of audio, and then you mm-hmm. remix them and and try and build something that feels the way you want it to. So there's a lot of percussive gunfire sounds from things like mortars and uh, rifles and stuff like that, mm. just to give it that kind of like kicky punch because we are kind of very World War II-y feeling about this stuff. Mm. Um, and then what? usually sweetened with kind of more energy sort of sound design. So what kind of format do you save the sounds in and then import them into the game? And how, how does it's it usually, score that? It, it, it depends. It's, it's wave or aug. It just depends. Okay. Yeah, because I messed around with uh, some CryEngine stuff and trying to do like sound packs for MechWarrior online. And that was just brutal. It, it like almost scared me off. And then I, I met a guy that was really good at it. And, and it was just like, I'll make the sounds you pack them for me. Okay. <laughs> Cause Holy crap. And uh, you had to use an application that's deprecated. So the only way to get it is actually write to the developers and beg. And then they're, mm-hmm. they'll give you the crusty old version that actually works with. Yeah. It was, oof. so it is just every time that gave me an education about sound formats and games, not just being like the obvious, like, Oh, it's MP3s and waves. And, and it yeah. was like super funky proprietary format that, you know? So yeah. Well, the sound design over, across the board and just the number of sounds is a lot more than the last game. One, I do a lot more audio engineering now for totally unrelated reasons, which is really, really useful. And, uh, you know, I actually have a recording space, so we don't have to record in, a glass walled office room. Um, <laughs> so um, we have, you know, a lot more voice acting, a, a lot more voice acting and the sound design. I've just, I've got more software to do it with and more expertise at doing it at this point. So, so how did, how did you do? Cause you have a lot of the characters in the game. I'm sure that you do. And did you have to bring other VO people in? Yeah, we or have is it mostly, I think, I think there's 25 actors right now. I mean, I still do this. I'm just kind of slowly going through all the sessions. There's lots of, and most actors do at least six or seven sets of audio um, for different characters. Um, And it just takes a while to do. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Usually they're, they're all actors that have their own recording spaces. So they'll do it remotely and I'll Skype in and do direction and they'll record and then they'll deliver me the audio and I'll process it and chop it up and do phonetic extraction for lip sync and all that jazz. And Mm. then we integrate it into the game. So it's just a lot more to that. And it's a lot more labor intensive than the last game because of the, the volume of it. And the fact that we don't do video stills this time, everybody lip syncs everything they say, which is, is a lot more work. Yeah, it's, so so the the animation comes first, and then the actor has to match that, nope, or you nope. try to match the um, animation. The, to the, the uh, so it has a phonetic system. So what I do is I run a piece of software on it that extracts all the phonetic information and with time codes, and then I have a lip sync system that I built into the animation system that takes those time codes and does the right mouth motions to match the audio. Then we have a whole set of animations, layers of animations. There's body animations, there's talking animations, there's facial animations, blinks, expressions that get layered on top of that. Um, And then the ability for heads to turn independently of that, and it combines with it. And then then eyes and eye saccades or saccades or however the hell you say that. I never heard anybody say it out loud. Anyway, so all those things get combined into the animation. 
in the end. Um, it's just, it is just a lot of moving parts, but we don't, unless it's very special, do a custom specific animation for any given piece of audio. So mm. we'll, we'll sometimes do custom gestures, like somebody's saying this angry thing and we really want this special animation to happen. And Colin will put together a specific animation for that. But mostly it's all this contextual stuff. This is the standing with your arms crossed talking set. And there might be six of those and they get remixed and sequenced according to the length of the audio that they're going to need to be played with. So it, it tries to be smart about it because I don't want to hand lay out eight jillion, you know, yeah. talking animation sequences. It's just too labor intensive. Yeah, this sounds a little more advanced than like Wing Commander was. So. There's there's more to it. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the the bitmap on the on the screen with the mouth flapping anymore. That... Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's you so, know, and you've got all the multiple camera cuts, and you know, and there's a lot more environmental interaction. We didn't have any. Well, none of the characters in the previous game even had legs, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now they actually have legs and actually can walk around and move in and out of scenes and interact with stuff in the scene. So the bartender will lean on the bar and pick up a glass and polish it and put it down and people can interact with objects. And there's just a lot more stuff. Um, it, it just it just seems to me like because there there's what, five people making this thing. Mm-hmm. You're right. So to to be able to do like just the stuff that you're doing, right, If if you just gave me those tools like 10 years ago and, and you said, be competent in those. I'll check back on you in 10 years. Nah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think that I could have figured that out on, you know, I mean, I mean, it's like, you've got a lot of industry experience stuff, but, uh, it's to, still a lot I, of I just, well, I just, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, but as, as far as like mastering the tool set for doing all those things, you know, cause most people are, are kind of like specialized, like this guy does animation, yeah. this guy, but you're kind of jack of all trades. And then there's five of you that are that way. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, and when you get down to things like, so from a modder's perspective, talking about after release, if people want to add new conversations, you can do that and it will use the buckets of, of animations. The biggest thing will be, how we choose to do lip sync mm-hmm. because the lip sync is middleware that we license to generate the lip sync data. And so that's not a tool that we can give anybody. Okay, now, so you don't I'm have to reinvent to... the wheel for that. You can just use somebody's package that they did. Well, it's, it's more like if we want other people to be able to do lip sync after the fact uh-huh. with their own audio, do we license like the middleware from them and include it and then obfuscate the data that it dumps out in some way so that people can't, bypass the license that's needed to use the original software it gets complicated um at the simplest level it'll just play mouth flappy animations if you don't have uh-huh. lip sync data so if you want to do a mod you they'll just have mouth flappy animations and they can they'll do some vaguely you know approximating the length of the audio they'll do some stuff and you can still have mm-hmm. your audio and you can set up your cameras to be here there and everywhere and you can make them point at somebody and look angry or what have you mm-hmm. Well, it just seems like even the most minor aspects of things, like you you look at something and you take it for granted, like, oh, yeah, well, there's a package of software that does that, right? But it's the thing of having to know how it's done. And, well, and a lot of this stuff, if you were using yourself, Unity any, or Unreal, I mean, these tools would be available to you. It's just we're not, we don't happen to be using either of those things. Mm-hmm. And there's some advantages to that because a lot of our stuff is super custom. And if I wanted to do something, I just go make it do it, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Um, but on well, the I, hand, I think half you know, the battle is the awareness of just how it's done. Yeah. Not, not let alone having the tool to do it and the knowledge to use the tool, but even to just say, yeah, this is the process by which this is constructed. 
you know, it's like you're getting into knowledge that I didn't have. I just assumed things. And then now that you're kind of in the trench with it, it's, it's, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I see this now. And, and I can comprehend like how it would yeah. work. But if you sat me down in front of it, I would, my brain would turn to jello until well, my expectation is showed that, me. You know, it's a lot of work for somebody to make a full game out of a mod on this. I expect that more it'll be people adding ships, which is not that mm. hard to do, you know, yeah. or modifying ships or, you know, adding factions and different weapons and, you know, changing all that stuff around. Well, it also has the ability to do a straightforward, like old school mission campaign. So if you don't mm. want to, you can actually set a flag in the global data file that just sets it to campaign. And then you can just make a list of missions with specific ships and no open world stuff, mm. just like, you know, any other old campaign based sci-fi sim. Mm. Yeah, that's that's super cool, because that actually my first IT job that I got, uh, the reason I got hired was the guy that was the hiring manager had played one of my X-Wing versus TIE Fighter campaigns. <laughs> I made an XV-TED. And, uh, yeah. And so that's the thing that I'm kind of familiar with, uh, to a, a much lesser degree, Fred. Um, but, yeah, I just remember, like, back then, this was like 90 six or so and uh you know that when the bulk of my screwing around with that thing went and it's the ability to take a game that's modern like this and then whip out an editor like that and just stitch together like a you know 15 20 mission long campaign thing and throw it out to the world would be amazing and that seems to be what you're promising me so i love you Hopefully, is, hopefully. Is the uh, vanilla campaign yeah. for the game more of a freelancer, privateer mix where it's like, you've got a main thing, but here's a bunch of side stuff to do until that main thing kicks in. So, I mean, at present, it's not, there's a few places where it's gated by progression a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like after you pass this amount of, you know, in freelancer, it was net worth, you get this much net worth. And we did that in the last game too. So there'll yeah. probably be a few gates like that where we just want to make sure that you don't stumble into something and you're like oh you're just completely outmatched at this point you need more money um so it's got some of those gates built in what the thresholds will be we'll kind of decide as we're doing balance um but yeah it's just there's a main campaign which has a few branches in it and you can not do it anytime you want and go it's i mean it's structured like privateer but the missions are more concrete than privateers were and they Mm. don't and they happen before like three hours into the game (laughs) oh god that's true yeah jesus Oh. But it's not, none of it is, it, you know, none of it is save the world stuff for the most part. It's not, it's not the big campaign against the invaders. It's all low key, low end, you know, crime kind of stuff. Much crime more, world yeah. much more personal, sta- much more personal stakes. You know, there's a lot yeah. of bounty hunters and low lives and nobodies. Um, and I think that's. I think that's nice. <laughs> it is nice. Yeah, well, it's I, like you don't always want to save the world. Like I've not, saved the world a few times yeah, in games. Not everyone's going to yeah. save the world. You know, people are just going to save themselves sometimes. You know? well, I had a, a kind of lengthy conversation with a friend of mine about that very subject today was, was the, the thing of, because we were talking about a movie and, and it's like, okay, so it's, it's not really, you know, Joe saves the world kind of thing. It It could be more, uh, Joe has a, a private problem that's a problem for Joe, and then he tries to solve it and gets into some shit, and then has to get himself out. But the yeah. rest of the world doesn't notice. 
right? Yep. So it's his personal like drama, yeah. and yeah. yeah, and and I like that scope. You know, it's it's a lot better than than like Joe is the chosen one. Yeah, there's absolutely every time. no chosen one here. There's 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 some big things that happen kind of like apart from you that you intersect with, but it's I like to say it's kind of like it's like Chinatown. You know, he's he's investigating this very specific thing, and there's rich, wealthy, powerful people doing this whole other thing up here that he intersects with, but that's not really what he was originally mm. even involved with. <laughs> nice. So do you have the the universe modeled in there where things are going on? It kind of how the first game was, right? Where there's there's like an ambassador going somewhere and there there's just the world is alive out there and it doesn't center on the player has to trigger everything. Yep, that's right? the and, and it doesn't can, really care about it. Yeah, it just kind of goes along. Then, you know, you can go to a bar and you can pay for information and they'll flag freighters and you can see those flater, freighters flying around and then you can go, you know, shake them down, talk them out of their stuff. Um, there's some more in-flight conversation options with those than there were in the last game. Mm. And you don't go to a separate interface to do them. So they yeah. can happen to more ships. So you can right. just, you can, and they respond more to relative to your your faction and your relative power so you can legitimately intimidate people into just running away as part mm-hmm. of like a, a way to actually win a mission you can just scare people off because you're too darn powerful and you tell them hey you better leave um, right. and can you can I play also it like drop cargo and then you know as a way of bargaining you know here's my stuff just take it and you know they'll leave you alone or, mm. or won't depending on who they are is that handled in the the traditional like hit C for comms and then one two yep. three four menu? Okay, good. Yeah, there there yep. are so you many just cycle down through them, and they're context sensitive options, so they appear. You know, it's I think it's C on the keyboard on the on the yeah. gamepad. It's the whatever the back button or whatever the heck that's called now. <laughs> there there are certain games that would benefit so much from just the simple ability to hail another ship and have a, a one two three four menu to give intentions to it. I, I won't name names elite dangerous, but uh, you know, it, it's just that simple feature. That's 30 years old. Yeah. You know, and, it's nice. and I'm it so glad to see that it's, yeah. Cause you, cause you can actually tell somebody, yeah, it's, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm here for your cargo. Right. Versus I just roll up on you and start shooting. And then you drop yep. your cargo. Right. And so the big it, ships in this can jettison their cargo. They're all in these massive containers. And so if you persuade them to drop them, they jettison this huge cargo and it jets off to the side in a puff of debris. And then you just blow it up and take their crap. Oh yeah. That was going to be my next question is okay. They jettison this giant container. How do you tow that home? You don't but, you blow yeah. it up and then all of the interior components fall out and then you uh, can okay. grab them. Did you, so did you play, did you play, um, I war two independence war two because yep. you actually had a, a guy that would show up right when they dropped their cargo, then you'd call your buddy and who'd come mm-hmm. in with the, with the load ship and take it. Yep. And that was protect, a cool game. And yeah. Protect him while he yeah, I've revisited that recently and it still holds up. It, it holds, holds up. It's pretty good. Great. It's pretty too. Well. It's yeah. so pretty. It's such a pretty game. So many nested hat menus. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Yeah. There's a nice mod that bypasses all that for navigation. I, f- I find it unplayable without now. Oh my god, yeah, because that star map in that game. Jeez, yeah. crazy. <laughs> I don't so, know why star so, maps are so hard for people to do in a way that is like not I, completely I, unnavigable. I don't either. So you brought up well, how did you do yours? Hang on. Sorry. Okay. 
you brought up controls earlier, and someone in the chat had an interesting point because uh, you mentioned uh, the keyboard and you mentioned the gamepad. Uh, someone said numpad users would like the option to rebind all keys. Are, is that going to be allowed? You can rebind everything. Okay. Yep. Everything's rebindable, and we have Hoda support, so you have to be able to rebind everything. Oh, there's like really? A switches on those. Hoda support, huh? Yeah, you oh, can do yeah. full multi-device. You can have your throttle and your pedals and your whatever. Oh, it all I works. Have all those th- I have all those things. That's yeah. very exciting. So, I'm going to be so, honest with you. I still prefer it with a gamepad. So you're coming out. I like on... having two analog sticks. And I like having rumble and the fact that nobody can do force feedback on anything anymore. It's so sad, right? Yeah. It's annoying. It's so sad. It's, it's so really s- annoying to me. So I find oh, it, it feels dead to me to not have any force feedback. Yeah, do you, and, do you, uh, I'll tell you a little you support side. the Microsoft force feedback sidewinder. What's that? Um, do you do you support force on. feedback? Because no, Brian's got a stash of Microsoft force feedback, no. but it's it's um it's just it's, um, it's just X input force feedback this day wow. because nobody like you you are the only two people who own. Well, not know. only not only that, yeah. but it's a it's a copyright thing. Like someone got the copyright oh, really? claim to the copyright it's, of force feedback, so now no one's using it. It's a whole oh, big God. bag of it's a bag of shit. Big bag it's of a dicks. Big um, bag of shit, and it's so frustrating because one of the first things I did when I got my new computer is made sure this joystick worked with <laughs> Windows 10, and make sure that the force feedback still worked in Free Space Two. All worked great. Uh, so we have tried to support it so that everybody can pretty much pick whatever level of helpers they want with this stuff. Oh, great! So um, when you start the game, there's I think four options when you create a game. There's like casual where it starts you with like an actual afterburner and a radar that doesn't suck and <laughs> um then there's you know normal where you don't have an afterburner and your radar sucks um but it still has uh some basic helpers there's um there's the auto pursuit option where you can hold a button and it will make sure your target gets on the screen and it also has there's um some uh uh shot some aim assist um, and then there's two more options past that, which, which slowly peel off all of those things. So uh, you get flight assist, but no aim assist. And then there's no flight assist and no aim assist. And you can't even go into third person for people who are just super hardcore. Oh, oh I love that one. That one sounds like perfect me. Cause I, I, it's, so, oh, it's so much harder. It's so much I'm harder. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Now, can you turn the cockpit Lining up off? shots, still hard. Can you turn the I mean, cockpit we, off? We, and we have like, a higher firing rate than most old space sims do. That's true. Because they had they had to contend with their CPU just being annihilated, but all the collision checks. Um, so you can still kind of spray around, but it's still it's you know it's that old challenge of just trying to lead the <laughs> trying to lead the target. Yeah. So Brian was asking, can you turn the cockpit off? Which makes me wonder. Is that the control that also makes a tear roll down Howie's cheek like the Indian on the old trash? There's currently no cockpit off option. The only cockpit off option is third person where all the HUD goes to, it gets, you know, packed around the edges. Really? Um, So you go third person, you still have all your HUD and it just kind of gets floated around to the edges and you, you, you third person, but we don't let you turn off a cockpit. And I'm, I'm inclined not to let you turn off a cockpit because I think the cockpits are part of the flavor of a ships and part of what is their advantages and disadvantages, what you can see and mm-hmm. what you can't see. You know, it's like part of the reason that you didn't stick with a Tarsus was because you couldn't see a damn thing. Oh my God. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm good. And we're not, as, we're not as brutal as that, obviously. Thank God. But, but it's like when I'm, you get a ship, when you make the switch from a ship that has lower visibility to a ship that with like a, a bubble <laughs> where you can see everything, it's great. It's it's a cool. It's, it just makes it feel good when you do it. And so taking that away where they they just become anonymous, I didn't like it when people removed cockpits. And so I dig my heels in a little bit about mm. letting you toggle them off. No, that's, mm. that's totally fair. It's your game. Uh, but, but then yeah. that's what mods are for, right? If you guys want to make all the, the cockpits invisible, fine. You just make all the <laughs> cockpits invisible. So I have a question about the AI and dogfighting mm-hmm. with them. Um, because it's, it's my experience in these games that – uh, whenever you get behind them and then you hit that match speed button, mm-hmm. they're toast, right? They don't have any options for shaking you. Uh, like how, how would that even be possible? Like, you know, how would you break that or whatever? Yeah. How, how could the AI possibly get you off their ass? With, well, there's have, uh, like, auto, not even it's just relative, follow, but... relative turning speed because some of them can literally turn faster than you. Um, mm-hmm. But the, and relative speed, as far as how fast you can pursue, but in general, the only way I can think of that you can fully shake them is if they have, or they can fully shake you is if they have, you know, mines that they drop and Ooh. ships can drop mines. But I, I don't think we're going to have that many ships drop mines because it's annoying. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, you know, but in part of it's just combat, that you're not, right? There's... you're mostly, it's not a mano, mano a mano fight. It's usually you against multiple ships. So right. it's, it's about, you know choosing your target and worrying about all the other things that are happening at the same time. Hmm. So are, are just, the AI, are they aware of each other? Like they'll do wingman things like one guy will lead you. So the other guy can drop in behind you or is it kind of like really, because I don't each don't of them flies for themselves. I just don't think it reads. I think it adds yeah. a lot of complexity to the AI that makes it harder for them to do things intentionally that you can understand. Right. Um, so they do fly in. They do have a concept of like a wing leader or they can, or people that they are protecting or just trying to fly in formation with. But once mm. they break an attack, they're mostly breaking an attack. Um, right. They do, they can have something that they're attempting to protect that they will then assist if you attack it. Mm. Um, and they all have variable skill levels, which determine, you know, whether they can see incoming dumb fires and juke out of the way, for instance, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and that's all kind of on a gradient of pilot skill. Mm. Um you know, they, they know how to use countermeasures and stuff like that. Um, but that's all, again, all dependent on pilot skill. Right. Yeah, because like traditional uh, X-Wing kind of game, right? So there's the guy that you're chasing that can't get you off of him. And then there's the five guys that have got you targeted that then fall in single file behind yep. you. And you just kind of end up as a twisty snake of ships flying. Yep. So, but, you know, that's the traditional thing. So and part of it is you don't want to. One of the most satisfying things for me in a space sim is being behind somebody and then unloading on them and watching them blow up. Um, right. So having that be a thing that happens is good, as far as I'm concerned. As long as it feels oh, yeah. good and the the flow of the game isn't broken. Um, it's annoying having people that always juke out of the way or always avoid every missile that you fire, or just mostly annoying. Yeah. So can you like semi cripple enemy ships? They all have the same subsystems that you do. Um, It's mostly only noticeable, I think, on big ships. Because once you get to the point of starting to cripple subsystems on a little ship, it's hard for you to tell relative differences in their speed or maneuverability. Mm -hmm. And by the time they start really getting damaged, they're pretty close to blowing up. 
Oh, it does work. I just don't think that you will notice in practice yeah, for the most so part. So you don't get in the scenario where there's like three guys on you, you half kill one and say, I'll come back for you. And then it's just, you don't, I mean, you yeah. can totally wound them and you may because they've, you know, they're, they're, they're shellacked and they know it's only going to take a couple of shots, but it's, it'll, I think your decisions are more about who's got what kind of weaponry and mm. well, can you, so are especially they, are for the little ships, if you're talking about a big ship, you can blow off defenses on a big ship and it's something you want to do. Can you, you disable, want to disable ships this and, if you want to? Can you disable them? Like with an ion gun, for example? Can you, can you disable um, ships? We have the ability to do that. I don't have any, we don't have any specific weapons that do it right now, although we do have those weapons. Like they work. <laughs> we just don't have one that you can buy right now. Um, and we have EMP weaponry also that's Ooh. like temporary disable so that you can do an EMP blast that makes another ship just go tumbling for a while until their systems come back online and then they re-engage. Um, but, I mean, we, we have weapons that do ion cannon kind of stuff. Mm. But we, since we don't have a lot of missions where it's go disable ships like you did in X-Wing, it's not been a useful weapon to have because you're, you're going to use a hard point for that and you get to choose. You're mostly going to choose something that blows things up. That's fair. What kind of missions are we looking at for this game? As many mission types as we can cram in. <laughs> um, they're more they're more involved and they have more possibilities than they did in the previous game. Um, and they can also chain. So for random missions, they can have branching random submissions. So you go to this location and then different things can happen that go off into another fork. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so they're a little more complicated than the previous ones. Well, um, that, that kind of makes sense because the universe this time isn't randomized like it was the last time. So add, no. adding that kind of random element to the missions themselves kind of... Well, and a lot of it's just you get you get something from a mission board and you're like, okay, well, that's the mission where I do that thing. And then you go do that thing. And it's nice if there's the potential that that thing might not be the thing you thought it was. Uh, that, that That's true. Uh, it's... We were talking about console stuff before, and is it coming out on PlayStation and Xbox? Yep. Okay, uh, right now it's PS4 and Switch. All right, Switch. So wait, yep. really? Yep. I didn't need a new computer for this, which is going to be cool. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> that might get me to buy a Switch. <laughs> God damn it! Not a lot of not a lot of space combat games on the Switch. I've been really trying to yeah. avoid buying a Switch. God, God. Well, you might as well wait. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll wait till your game comes out. But still, <laughs> I wasn't planning on yeah, buying one for a while. Then, <laughs> then you can uh, you can order your three D printed ship and then tape it to the top of your Switch controller <laughs> and pretend it's that Star Fox game. So, yeah, so, the uh, Starlink. Yeah, that's what it's called. So I do want to. Oh, um, oh well, the, the reason I was asking about PS Four though is because PS VR. And you, we were talking about like the detail of the cockpits and stuff, and how you can look around and, and whatnot. And it, it just made me wonder about the whole VR thing. Totally not going to do VR. Totally okay. not going to. Is there going to be head? A bunch of reasons. There's a bunch of reasons. I can go through them if you want. Please, please. What about just head tracking? No VR. Well, there's a couple. There's a couple things with that, but I'll address VR first. The first one is that it makes me sick, and I have to code it. So uh. that's a problem. Fair. The second is that even if it doesn't make me sick and I can stay in for longer than 10, 15 minutes, the amount of things it changes about the game is huge. 
how do you do VR pool when you are on a different character? How does a conversation system work uh, when the character isn't your face? How does, you know, how does the arcade game work in VR? How do you play dice poker in VR? How do all these things that rely on a body that's not your body function? Um, it's kind of a big deal. So basically you have to make a different game. Um, the other is that, again, because it isn't your body in the cockpit and it's doing stuff, you know, you can move your head down inside of your torso or step up outside the top of the cockpit, and a lot of that stuff just breaks when that body isn't your body. Uh, um, that's fair. You know, it's like standing up in Elite Dangerous and going through the top of your cockpit, only worse. Or looking down at your headless body. Yeah. So yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of weirdness to that, and there's so many cinematic cuts where it switches to you looking at the character while she's talking, while she's in the cockpit, and where are you, you know? <laughs> So all of those things happen. And that also is one of the reasons why doing like the track IR and looking around is an, is an issue. Um, yep. Is like where, you know, does your viewpoint end up inside the body? What if her arm comes up and she's flipping somebody off? Is your viewpoint inside the body now? I don't know. Um, so how do you end up looking around in the cockpit then? You, is it like it, it focuses on a particular you, instrument? You don't unless there's a camera cut for it. Oh. Gotcha. It's controlled, you know, because, you know, and maybe we can do like a limited sort of padlock view where it's really is nailed to your head and it doesn't move. We might be. Well, able remember to do that. Remember like Eurofighter 2000. It's like, I want to look at this at this radar display. So it kind of like tilts your head down to the radar display kind of yeah. deal. So it frames that. Right. Yeah. I didn't know if maybe you were doing something because you don't do that. And, and, and in general, like how is wanted- cockpit? Yeah, they're well, designed to be viewed. <laughs> yeah, well, but it, it's the thing where it, it used to be a 2D thing that was on the screen, and now you guys have made it a 3D thing. But it, it's kind of like unless you do like a cut thing around in the environment, it it, it could still kind of be a 2D thing. Like whenever I look at it in the in the, the little GIFs yep. that you guys put up, it, it's like I can't tell that it's a 3D thing. I think it's just a really good 2D thing. And, and it's more uh, obvious you know, when you're in it and you have changes in perspective that are subtle all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's really, in a lot of ways, designed as a 2D thing because we want you to actually be able to see the components of your dashboard, which is right. sort of a problem with 3D dashboards where you can't just glance down with your eyes and look at that thing. Yeah, and I think it's a testament to to the uh, simplicity yet functionality of the original games that this is inspired by that – there's been a lot of cockpit things attempted. And then whenever you guys go back to like 1992, uh, it works. Well, you know, Kelly it, can it's like talk a lot more about cockpit design. Yeah. Cause he has to actually deal with the fact that he has to pack all this stuff into the field of view. <laughs> yeah. That, that is always a bit of a challenge. And it's always the very first thing I do when I'm building one of these cockpits is I come up with a unique layout for where all the little gizmos and stuff go. And that's one of the things we're pushing on this is that every cockpit will be fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're not going to pop into something and go, ah, oh, it's the same thing. In, in fact, it's even to the point where there's a ship that's a variation of another ship in the game. Like it's a, like a customized hot rod version that you can pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's cockpit is fundamentally different. Like it looks like the guys moved, moved stuff around and like tried to get a better field of view. That's like awesome. it's it, it's intentionally made to look like a custom like like yeah you know, if you've got a 
you ever seen like a really highly customized uh like uh like street racer like yeah. they've got all these crazy pods of uh right. like data and stuff coming in and like flashing lights and stuff that most cars don't have this is the same basic idea like it, it it it's been like chopped and moved around to try and be a better field of view and you know have things that relate to each other closer together and that sort of thing um but uh yeah uh one of the issues with having uh, a full look around environment is that um, it, it, it you really do need to, in order for it to look good, you really do need to detail out everything. Right. And that could be a, a time suck. Right. Uh, well, I, I just thought it was 2D until he said it was 3D. And then it was like, right. oh, can you look around? Because w- it never even occurred to me until no, he said that. So. They're all 3D. They all, uh, um, yeah, they're all, yeah, that. They're they're all hmm. detailed out in a way that you can move the camera around inside them and get good shots of the player sitting there. Um, but if we actually let you like zoom in and look at stuff, uh, the illusion of, of of the detail level would fall apart pretty quickly. It's it's basically uh, to to try and get the most out of texture space and everything else uh, that we've got going. I've optimized all the artwork to be at a good res- at a good visible or a good uh textile density at 4K um from the from uh, the resolution from the player's perspective. So if mm-hmm. you're looking at the game in 4K, the cockpit looks great. All right. But, but if we let you zoom in at 4K, it's going to fall apart. And if we let you zoom in at 1080p, it's going to it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean so, there's only so far we can push that before yeah, we run out of texture space. So I can I can paint the outside of my ship. Can I do anything in the cockpit? Hang fuzzy yeah. dice. Yeah, yeah. Yep. In fact, we've got uh, two. Th- I don't know if they're shown in the video you guys are running, but we do have two pieces of flare as tests right now. Uh, one of them is a <laughs> flare. <laughs> yeah, one well, one of them is a Get picture of Burt Reynolds as the bandit, oh, and no. uh, there's a little uh, bobblehead for one of our in-game uh, uh, chicken fried uh, armadillo restaurant. Uh, chains uh it's bucky the buckshot's uh armadillo <laughs> oh so, so you guys you guys sorry. won't be available as as bobbleheads oh we might not. we might be the the you know the five amigos up there i don't know yeah I, I mean microtransactions man i, I would pay a dollar for a howie day bobblehead on my i think it's more you got to travel to the very edge of the universe and then one truck stop has one left grab it there. <laughs> i love that so you mentioned you mentioned hot rod uh is there going to be racing in this game there's none planned there's none, none planned no not enough space games not- have racing in my opinion like freelancer had <laughs> freelancer had one racing mission and then Evercron has racing, and that's it, pretty much. Uh, I think I think the sequel should be a retelling of the story of Cannonball Run in space. <laughs> I think we have yes. a couple of missions that are just that, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Well, I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I might be talking crap there, but I'm pretty sure we have something similar. They've got we've got cargo runs that span like multiple systems. That, yeah, we got more like, of a Smokey and the Bandit thing going on. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Run. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm That's envisioning awesome. like I'm gonna get a ship with a big hood on it. I'm gonna paint it black and put a big eagle on the hood and just <laughs> transam the shit out. Oh yes, yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. go to the truck stop and just you do right, have truck pick stop, up some beer. Right? Beer not- is a commodity in the game. Yeah. 
<laughs> Mod in Jackie Gleason's uh, dialogue from the Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, and you go in, you go in the truck stop, and there's like a band playing behind Chicken Wire and, and crappy barbecue sandwich. Square right. Pigs. Are you familiar with the Square Pigs? I'm not what? familiar with the Square Pigs. What? Yeah, from the the Dennis Hopper movie Space Trucker. See, and I never watched uh, that. I've never seen. I it. feel oh. like I guess I've missed out on life. Uh, but. I, I, send me your mailing address. I'll mail you a Blu-ray. We gotta fix this. <laughs> I still need to watch it myself. Don't feel bad. I've not seen it either. <laughs> so how how many ships right now are in the game? Like how many? Okay, how many ships are you planning to have in the game ultimately? As many as we can get in. It's really just a matter of how many get finished. You know, we have five, I think, right now. Okay, and uh, just keep adding them as many as we can cram in until we're done. I think is the plan. Well, um, you were talking about the complexity I mean, of the ships, and now yeah, they're a lot more complicated to add than the last game. <laughs> yeah, so so what happens to the modder community that wants to just stick ships in there? Then they're going to have to deal with a lot more stuff than they're used to, right? Uh, yeah, it just depends on what you want to do. Whether you want to use a cockpit that we already have, you know, modders will. Monitors are willing to make more concessions for reusing bits of other ships, I imagine. Oh, I'll take the cockpit from this one, and I just need this mm. exterior or whatever. Um, and you aren't required when you mod to animate all their landing and taking off animations. You can just have them sitting on the pad if you want. Um, but we do a bunch of different landing and takeoff animations, and you know, um, those are all time-consuming and complex to do. And my expectation is that monitors won't do that as much. They'll just have the static ship. Right. So, like, now, moving on now to the, from the ships to the toys, what kind of... Because I'm seeing lasers, I'm seeing, like, it looked like mass drivery things. Like, what kind of toys are we talking about that you can put on these things? I mean, there's, what, I guess there's three different main classes of, like, primary hardpoint weapons. You've got, you know, slug-based projectile weapons, you know, machine gunny kind of stuff. Energy-based weapons that have, you know, various different properties and then you have beam weaponry um which also includes things like mining lasers um and then uh, for your hard points you've got you know various different kinds of missiles from you know uh proton torpedoes and dump fires and heat seeking and image recognition and swarm missiles and uh mines and what have you and then there'll be some emp weaponry probably we'll also end up packing that onto the secondaries um and then there's a couple of you can get, uh, in some cases, you can take kind of this secondary ordinance-based stuff and you can mount it on a primary hardpoint if you want to. If you want to blow one on it for like a like a modified version of those kinds of launchers. And then oh. you've got all your other components. You know your various different engines and power plants and shield generators and you know countermeasure systems and on and on. Hey, one of the folks in the chat, uh, One Speed, is. Going back to the racing thing, um, he said a lot, a lot of racing games do, and, I, and I've seen RPGs that do this too, right? So they they give you like uh, not necessarily end game, but better than what you start with kind of ship and equipment, and then let you play with it for a mission to see you know what the future holds, and then take it away, mm-hmm. right? You know, and uh, is there any kind of a device like that that you guys are doing, or you, or you guys just kind of start out destitute and work your you way up? Don't plan to. Um, the, she starts out with a nice ship in the intro cinematic, and then it blows up. So okay, and then you go straight to garbage truck. So L- literal garbage truck. 
It's literally yes. like a waste transport truck. Yes. <laughs> Great. So Excellent. you started yeah. on a garbage truck. You know, we, we wanted, I like that early game. My favorite part of these game, games actually is that early game progression, you know, yeah. where you start out with just the worst possible thing and yes. everything you get is just so satisfying. It's the most exciting. Like, for example, bringing up Elite again, that was the best part of that game was when you started with this crappy ass Sidewinder and you had to fight tooth and nail to upgrade every little thing, you know, and it felt so um, great. And- and part of the – one of the ways that we try and – you have component damage. Components get destroyed and they get more fragile over time. So rather than doing like an RPG progression where you've got to go through 20 ships to get to the ultimate ship, you know, beyond the garbage truck. And we do want you to be able to finish the game with a garbage truck. Oh, you know, really? Our hope is that you'll look at the ships that are available and you'll pick – you'll try them out and you'll pick the one that feels like the one that you like the most. And then you maintain it, you know. You, you get this – cool gun but you have to take care of it because if you get damaged and you're really sloppy then it get, gets blown off and then you have to go get another one um so components can be fully completely damaged and destroyed and the more you repair them the more fragile they get so if you're really sloppy and you're constantly getting the crap beat out of you and then going and repairing your stuff gets weaker and weaker and more brittle over time until it eventually just falls apart but you can fix your stuff um Oh, yeah, you can repair it all the time and replace it, but it has, like, an inherent fragility based on how many times you have to repair it. Oh, so can stuff And based like, on how much you had oh. to repair it. It's not just, like, you can get five repairs. It's it's a percentage of, like, how how much it was damaged and how much had to be repaired to bring it back to functioning order. Can stuff fail outright? Like, can things be old enough? Like, you've used this one gun for, like, 20 hours. It's just... It, it's it, has to, it has to actually be damaged to be destroyed, so it won't just, like, uh. stop and just disappear you know something will have to damage you but the threshold beyond which it will blow it up is constantly ratcheting down the more you the more you've had to fix it back up so since you start in with practice the, sorry go ahead. no go ahead i was gonna say since you start with a waste disposal truck basically is that going to be a mission type hauling shit basically i mean there's cargo missions where you take stuff but i don't know if we'll do it explicitly as garbage I mean, a lot of our commodities are kind of lower end commodities than they were in the last time, like beer and, you know, meat patties. <laughs> no, I need a mission where you actually have to, like, steal shit and then go somewhere and dump it, like, in the space station. <laughs> I want the space vandalism. I basically want the beep, Sewage beep, Avenger beep. mission from, uh, was it Saints Row Exactly. Two? That's what yes. I want. From Saints Row. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> More than anything. <laughs> now, I, I would actually like a mission in which you can deliver beer to the sun. To the sun? <laughs> the roused hour. Oh my god. That's a uh, mystery science. And, and name, the, name, the, name the mission. I wonder if there's beer on the sun and you have to like <laughs> deliver beer out to some solar platform. Okay. And the guy talks like this, roused hour. I need you to deliver beer to the sun. Razdauer. <laughs> yes, another mandatory movie. Uh, you guys know what we're talking about? Uh, no idea. This is a mystery science theater that I have not it's, seen. It's, it's called The Final Sacrifice. It's a Canadian uh, horror. It's a Canadian horror movie. Quote, unquote, horror movie. And it is outright horrendous. It is so, so, so bad. But it's really one of their best episodes, like, ever. 
<laughs> oh my god, you should definitely. I think you yeah, can, I think you can stream it on. You might be able to stream it on Netflix. I'm not 100. percent It's a, it's up there with Space Mutiny. Oh yes, yeah, it is one of their best. <laughs> uh, one of their yeah. best. So, um, are there ships big enough to dock with? Like, like in Freelancer, for example, you could dock with battle crews and stuff. Are there ships uh, here that you can dock with? Or is it just space stations? We haven't let you dock with any of them yet, but you know, they some of them are big enough that you could theoretically, and they have docks built onto them that stuff could be launched from. We just don't happen to have you doing it at present. I mean, it's everything is a ship as far as the game is concerned. It doesn't care if it's a station or anything else. You could dock with anything, but. Oh. As long as it's got a spot and we make an animation for you docking with it. Now, uh, there is, uh, kind of like Privateer, if I'm remembering correctly, there is a uh, Mercenaries Guild and mm-hmm. a, uh, what's the other guild? Merchants yeah. Guild. Merchants yep. Guild, yes. Yes, I love that you have added those. I, I, I wish more games. It's would... important. Yeah, it's so important. Because I just don't want the same old side missions. Sometimes I just want to haul stuff, you know? So, so that sometimes I just want to play asteroids in the bar. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, amazed at that. That you guys <laughs> stuck like a is it a full on arcade game that, or is it just like one level, whatever? Or can oh, you no, actually you can go on play and that get thing? The high scoreboards. There'll be a mission that unlocks if you get the high score. Kind of like a uh, last starfightery kind of thing. Wait a minute. You should hold up. You should hold, make wait. a. Oh yeah, that hold I remember that now. Hold the phone. There's a last Starfighter like unlock thing. Yeah, and it's not going to be explicitly the last right, Starfighter, right, but, but you know, like, the, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, Centauri shows up and recruits <laughs> you for the space. Navy. We're trying to integrate most of the side activities in in some way. Like, you know, as part of story missions, you actually will do you know play pool or you know, or it'll be an option anyway. Um, yeah, the pool the, thing. The plan is to have a pool tournament that you can that you can engage in. Whoa. Yeah, the pool thing, and and then you got dice poker that's in mm-hmm. there, um, and then the asteroids thing, and God knows what else. But the just the pool sim, like that's a game unto itself. That surprisingly somebody enjoyable. probably would have sold for twenty bucks. You know, surprisingly so it, yeah, just a lot of effort went into. I played so much virtual pool back in the day. You know the the interplay version. That, yep. Yep. That, when I saw your game as pool, it like just brought back so many memories. It's nice to be able to play pool with aliens that swear at you. <laughs> it's like important addition. It's like sh- oh, that's what you need. You need shuffle puck in there too. <laughs> shuffle puck cafe. Terry Bogart about dominoes. That it was good. Ter- Terry Bogart on YouTube dominoes. just had a great idea: a uh, Gunstar pre-order ship. Like if you pre-order Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, you get it. You can ha- you can buy a Gunstar. <laughs> We'll just paint it on the side of the garbage truck. That's what will actually happen. <laughs> just imagine. Oh yeah, put it. You can put- also uh, you can get a base. You can get a player owned base, and you can outfit it with this stuff. So the plan is for you to be able to also get a get your own bar with your own, you know. Oh really? Game what? and billiards table in it. Yeah. Oh cool. Oh, and it's a wonderful vista. It's like a crappy. It's just like an old mining thing that never played out and uh you talk to this robot that's been there trying to sell it forever and uh if you you know get some money together and you buy it after you talk him down because he wants too much um 
then he starts coming up with missions that you can do to get services added to it. And oh, wow. the idea is that, you know, once you have a garage there, then there's some other equipment that you can get that you can't get everywhere else. And once you add a shipyard that, you know, there's some ship variants that you can get that you can't get anywhere else. So there's a few things that you, you know, there's some, some reward for having built that out and just having a space that you can go to. And Now, will the bar and stuff, will that make you money? Like, will you get a cut of We've whatever? talked about it. I don't know if it will yet. I think it would be nice if it did. I think that yeah. it would be nice if just in general, once you add those services, there's just like a slow trickle of cash that you get from people stopping by. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like, people are going to want to stop and have a drink. You know, it would make sense there'd be some profit from that. So it's something that makes sense to me to do until I come up with some reason why it doesn't so, make sense. So is that going to be like a tycoon game in the, in the, in the no, game itself? It's not going like... to be to that level. It's not going to be to that level. We've got to ship this thing. <laughs> That'd be funny though. T- I think we've had enough weird stuff for a $30 game. They are kind yeah, of making so, a comeback though, those tycoon games. So that would be, I, I guess my, my fear is that there is so much that could be done in this universe that you're, you're going to, burn up and, and hate the game by the time you're done. And then it's going to be another few years before we see any well, more. The thing is this stuff is built. It's mostly just about the content right now, which is always a grind to put in. Um, uh, and honestly, the more stuff that's going on in the game, the, the, the easier it is to not get burned out on it. <laughs> Cause you can work mm-hmm. on something that is something else, you know? Oh, so the grind is at the beginning to get that first, like, push of, Oh no, I mean, my it. grind, man, oh. my grind is, and our grind as far as developing it, you know, it's that, the last bit where you're just making stuff. Yeah. It's just, it becomes kind of an assembly line if things are going right. <laughs> but that's not actually that exciting to do. Would you say that is the uh, least interesting part of game development? Is that that last push to get it out For there? me, it sure is. I don't know about Howie. Because it's kind of doing and not frustrating. It's just, right? you're not so solving you, you and coming up with some cool new thing. You already laid down all the tracks. You're just letting cars go down them over and over again. This part's pretty fun for me, um, mostly because I'm not just the the main artist. I'm also art directing, which means I got a red herd on you know any outsourcing and stuff we have going on. So I've got uh, all this other artwork coming in that I got to shove in the game, and it's all these different things that I'm hitting at once. And if I get tired of oh I don't want to do a cockpit, well I've got another player ship lined up, and I can just do that, and that's landing gear you know, hard points and making it look cool. And if that's not interesting, well, I could probably take a couple of day break and work on space station. And if that's not interesting, I've got this whole randomized asteroid based thing that I've got set up, uh, mostly set up that needs to be put into the game. And then we'll have all these crazy, cool randomized asteroid bases all over the place. Like that you can like just, you know, add adding like environmental detail and stuff. Like, you can just go in and do that. And, you know, like, a couple of days ago, I got bored with cockpit stuff, so I spent a couple of hours working on um, our VFX for uh, electrical hits. Like, if your shields get hit. Like, I wasn't totally stoked about the way it looked, so I went in, spent a couple of hours, tried to improve it, and I was very happy with the, the update. And that sort of gets used everywhere, so everything from jump drives to shield hits. It's all all looking better now. So that's, you know, for a small amount of time investment, it's like a pretty big visual improvement. But 
I'm I mean, running out of cool things to add that don't involve, you know, I really should just be scripting missions. I should only yeah. be scripting missions and rigging up ships, and that's pretty much all I should do. I did add the bit where you can talk to the talk to the car, the ship salesman as part of yeah. the purchase, so you have the conversation instead oh, of just cool. buy a ship. That's because that's cool. important. Yeah, because couldn't a freelancer you could have a small conversation with the ship dealer? Well, I know you did in about? Privateer. I don't yeah. remember in Freelancer. Maybe that's what I'm. Did you in Freelancer? No, no, you. I don't think you did in Freelancer. Well, maybe you did. But a I know little you bit. did in Privateer, and I, I thought it added did. a lot. Yeah. Now, um, one thing. Even that, if he wouldn't tell you the price, which was annoying. Now, one you thing. You just don't have enough. <laughs> you just don't Thanks. got it. You just how don't how, got how it. How far have I got to go? I guess I'll pull out the manual. <laughs> so, one thing that uh, Freelancer did, in thinking of Freelancer, that we wish more games did, and we talk about this a lot, is uh, like chatter, like radio chatter, like universe chatter, like when you're flying around. Like, Freelancer did this amazingly, where it was like. You know, what are you doing here? You know, we're going to scan you, this sort of thing. Is there anything yep. like that in the in this game? Is there any kind of chatter? Yeah, I mean, the cops talk to you when you come by or do, you know, do scans. The pirates talk to you. Merchants greet you, you know, ask you what you're doing. You can respond back and ask them how they're doing. Um, there's, uh, what else? Um, so, I mean, and then when you get buddies and they come in, they have their own conversation stuff. Oh, Cool. Because that adds... Go ahead, like, Howie. Go ahead, Howie, yeah. Oh, I said you can receive, like, active distress calls and stuff. Like, as you're just flying around, like, people can call for help. And you can go help them out for, like, they'll be, like, grateful and give you a bit of a reward for it. Like, you know. It's, it it's, doesn't have the, the like, the, the, the low-grade, like, um, like, I'm docking with port A7, blah, blah, blah. Like, the, the, the traffic control kind of stuff for the most part. Mostly because... We try and keep those channels up for stuff that's important. Um, and there's a lot of dialogue. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, they will, police will talk to you and greet you and scan you and ask you for help. And you can say, hey, do you want a hand? And they can say no or yes or whatever. So that's pretty cool. It sounds like, because I, I, I know that's a lot of work. I can only imagine how much work they did freelancer to do that kind of thing. Um, the comms get a lot of work out. I mean, it's not that quiet of a game for the most part. Oh, good. Oh, good. Because so many games forget about that sort of thing where you can talk to other ships and like feel more a lo- feel more uh, interactive with the universe instead of just shooting things. Yeah, know. people don't do comms that much anymore. I know. You know partially, yeah. it's a lot of work, but yeah. you know, it, when I first played Elite, I really missed, like Elite Dangerous, I really missed not having any. And they've added some audio now, right? Yeah, they got like there's some chatter now. Talk to you and stuff, but, little, yeah, but you can't have yeah. a conversation with a ship. Like, target them and say, "Drop your cargo," or "Here's my intentions," yeah. or "I'm here to help Which you," is or whatever. Insane. So it's like, the, yeah, the only interaction you have is, "Did I shoot him or not?" And that's not. Although they are adding, I don't. Did you have you? I mean, you're a little busy lately, but I didn't know if you saw any of the stuff that's in the current beta that they're sticking up where they have finally it's it's almost like somebody over there actually listens to me bitch every week and or or just what i bitch about is so common sense it finally occurred to them but they're actually putting in scripted missions a la tie fighter style cool uh you know where, where it's got can you know certain roster of ships <sighs> timing 
thing things have objectives and that, and it's not all keyed off the player. Um, yeah. So you show up somewhere and the mission it pulls a mission out of the hat that's suitable for whatever is supposed to be going on and throws it in the sector, and it's like hallelujah, you know they're they're Hopefully doing it. It's fun. Um, Hopefully, yeah. I just wish that they would actually let the community write those damn things because mm. you know space is as big as that game is right. And uh, then the content that they make, no matter how many people they have making content, it's like spreading one little pat of butter across a whole loaf of bread. You know, it's just, See, it's I think the problem with that game is, I think the problem with that game is it's too big. Unlike, yeah. for example, rebel galaxy outlaw, I'm looking at the map right now and it's much more contained, which is good. At the- yeah. Well, and it, even if you are going to have an infinitely sized universe, you you have your population centers and that's where all your interesting things are. So if you want to see interesting stuff, you go where the people are instead of spreading. But all then why the have the rest? Why 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 bother wasting time with the rest? Because some all, people all like that? to go room around in the boondocks. Uh, where else are you going to put your alien artifacts? Come on, exactly. Is there going to be any kind of exploration element in this game, or is it all pretty much go here, do, shoot this, and yada yada yada? Well, I mean, you can fly anywhere, and there. are points of interest that are not disclosed oh, um, okay. so you can scan and find stuff that's near you and go to it so there's stuff everywhere um and missions will lead you to points of interest but you could still also just go places and you can see when you zoom in on the map oh look there's a nebula over here or there's an asteroid belt over here or whatever and then choose it as a place to go that's pretty cool because mm-hmm. Again, not enough games do exploration well these days anymore. Uh, so it's good to hear I can just fly around and find crap if I want to. So, so you've got this story, right? And the, the you know the narrative that goes through it. So let's say I I play that through, right? I, I get out the other end of it, um, and, and ruling out like uh, community created content. But I just want to start over again and do something different. Can I mm-hmm. it, can I do it like Skyrim where I just okay I, I ignore talking to that quest guy that starts the whole dragon yeah, you can thing just it completely and and then I can just run around and be whatever I want to be yeah you can just ignore it okay yeah because it because it's like the original Rebel Galaxy had that to some extent you know you could run around trade and you know be a pirate be a good guy or whatever but yeah I, I, I feel like here. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because it's because it's like if you can just sandbox endlessly after a certain point. I mean, the the first game didn't really lend itself to that super well because the scale, right? Because you end up with like giant fleets and crap at the mm-hmm. end. Um, but it, but if you just want to run around as a dude in a ship in this, then that seems much more viable for just endless sandboxy thing. Make your own trouble. Yep. Super cool. So wait, can you do? You, can you avoid the storyline completely on the first go through? Do you have to go through it? Yeah. and start. I mean, oh. you can, you can just not play the story at all if you don't want to. Oh, that's great. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no, there's a win state to the story, but it doesn't like end the game. So, and there's not <laughs> the only advancement currently tied to the story is buddy unlocks. Because they're all characters oh. in the story that you have to meet before they become available as call-ins. That makes sense. Uh, it's funny. Alex on YouTube says he owned Privateer for four months before he realized there was a story. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> What's so, so far in? 
It's so it's far so in. far in. You you got to play for hours owned, before you get to it. I've been privateer for twenty something years, and I I'm pretty sure there's another star system, but I just never can get that <laughs> jump drive before the pirates kill me. <laughs> oh god, it takes so long I, to get that. If jump you don't, it, dude, if you don't save scum, you're just never going to get it because or cheat. I can't. Or I, like cheat. I playing playing yeah or cheat playing Gemini gold. Right. And it, and it was just like, yeah, I'm going to screw around with this thing and relive the glory. And then it reminded me really quick uh, about why I didn't stick to privateer as much as I thought that I would back then. Cause it was just like, uh, well, the one thing that I didn't like, uh, like expressly about it is the flight model for combat, because you end up with like the enemy ship that goes straight away from you and then comes straight toward you. So it, and it's like my uh-huh. weapons run out of charge before he runs out of shields. So you have to repeat that cycle. It's and then if you get a, a space jousting yeah. forever. Yes. Yeah, and wing, that did not do it for me. Yeah. Wing commander, their strength was never their flight model. It's like the, no, mission- but, the but the commander games were so better than that initial thing in privateer. Cause it well, was just you like, were flying a bucket you- with tiny side windows as a front window. Basically. Right. So, so you <laughs> save scum. And if a pirate shows up, quit the game, reload, right? Cause it's completely RNG, whether you get a pirate on you or not. So you can, you can just like shuffle furs back and forth to that first planet. How long <laughs> I think it is and, until you get enough money for that jump drive, but it's like, Oh God, the grind. It's yeah. Well, unless there's some easier way to do it. And I've been doing it wrong no. for 20 years. No, there isn't, unless you cheat, there really isn't an easier way to do it because games were different in the 90s, especially the early 90s. You know, they, they were like, you don't have many games. It was amazing that they worked at all, honestly. Right. But they were like, you don't have that many games to play. You're probably not going to get another game for six months. You're just, we're just going to keep making, do this thing for six months. You know, they're all everlasting gobstoppers. It's not really that exciting, but they last a long time. (laughs) Yes. So oh, in the uh, YouTube comments, uh, a guy by the name of Button Pusher was mentioning ultra wide, uh, and I just wanted to mention that one of the things that Eric does do for us is run the game constantly in ultra wide. Oh, so yeah. When I mentioned that he was uh, telling us if anything looked funky, that's that's an excellent example of that. <laughs> yeah, you can so, yeah, that's wide. that aspect ratio because my monitor is that way too. It's a twenty-one by nine. And I find myself playing games in 1080p windows more so than anything. Or if I can resize the window, I'll keep it you know, 16 by 9 and just make it as full screen as I can in the middle. And that gives me like half a monitor to either side to put other things. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, whenever you get a, a traditional game and then you, you stretch it out to that, like I, I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked at how many old games deal with it you know where where it's like yeah the viewport just went that way out and it didn't stretch the hell out of things and and it, i'm i'm shocked you know but then you, you play some other things and it's like they just don't have any idea of well, <laughs> what's think, going on I think so i'm really glad lucky. that he's testing it well i think we're also really lucky to have a thing like DOSBox that that works so well with newer hardware yeah and let's 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 you scale it to certain resolutions and it looks um it looks great so I think we're very lucky in that regard. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. you know, with all this virtualization technology, uh, I am surprised that nobody has made this. Perhaps 
Travis will make it for us. Uh, but a virtual monitor, because whenever you pick your display adapter, right? Like, hey, put this game on monitor two. Well, monitor two happens to be a window on monitor one, but it fakes it in the hardware to think that it's talking to a separate physical monitor. Hmm. That's all I need. And I don't understand why nobody's done it. It must be a hell of a lot harder to do than to think of. Yeah, if it hasn't been done yet, it can't be the easiest thing in the world. So, yeah, because uh, DX, DX Win tries to do that, but it okay. does a lot it, it of It tries so stuff. hard. It tries so hard. Yeah. And it doesn't always succeed. Um, so we're, we're approaching two hours, so we should probably start wrapping this up. Um, so... I know you don't like to give like release dates, but how I'll ask like, how far along is it? Like, I know you say 2019, but like, do you have a, a like kind of specific 2019 ish? I, I mean, I wish I could, but I, I don't really have a specific day. There's just so many variables that go into it. I'm not even asking um, for a day, like a quarter. Like, even that. For, well, I mean, first like half, it to second be in half. One. We'd like it to be in okay. Q1. Okay. We'll see that's, if we make it that, or not. You that's know, all I need. Aim for it. But it's not going to be in January or anything. Right. We're talking March thirty, yeah. March thirty. Yeah, no, the last yeah. minute in Q one. Is there? Yeah. I, I would, I would say, just continue to grind content in it until you're ready to just die, and then ship that's, it. That's I mean, probably that's the best thing. Where it's we're the, at, yeah. It's the, it's <laughs> and you mix it together with holidays. Your tolerance is my profit. So just work on Christmas and New Year's. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Please yeah, don't do that. The, the only thing Please that I ask. Please don't do that. The only thing that I ask is that we get it one day before PC Gamer because that is the tradition. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're planning to do some early week thing anyway, too. And we're going to do a streamers a week at some point here between now and then also. Please let me know. I will. I will. Well, well, of course, we'll let you know. Okay. I would love to take. Of course, we'll let you know. I would love I need to. Take I need to like book vacation <laughs> for would, that week, I, I think. We have unlimited pay time off at my job, so I, as long as it's in advance, <laughs> I can get the day off. So just let me nice. know when. Just <laughs> I will be there. Uh, so, folks. Yeah, speaking. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, like, speaking of people that are hot to play your game, um, you're familiar with Scott Johnson, right? Over at the instance, Frog mm-hmm. Pants. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've uh, um, on like three different podcasts that he does. He's he's talked about how he's jonesing for a space game. And has dropped uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw like three times in the last week. So well, we'll might want to talk. We'll try to and make guy. sure we're squared up with him when we're ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's got a couple subscribers, so might get the word out. Um, but yeah, so I, I sent him like a list of other things. Like here's here's all the stuff that'll hold you over. But one of the things that I sent him was actually the website for Wings of Saint Nazaire, and then he, he looked at it and he was like, "Oh God, I'm playing this right now." <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I hope it still worked. Uh, <laughs> now there's a lot of excitement for this game, and rightly so. A lot of people really liked Rebel Galaxy. Again, rightly so. So uh, take your time and do it right. If it's Q2, it's Q2. Fine. <laughs> We're gonna do our best not to screw it up. Yeah. But, oh, I have no, I have no doubt you won't screw it up. Just don't burn yourself out <laughs> doing it. <laughs> Please do not burn yourself out. Um, and we'll so, do our best to show it off when yes, uh, the absolutely. time comes. Oh, my awesome. God, absolutely. So, folks, again, the game is Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. It is hopefully coming out in Q1 2019, maybe, hopefully. Um, and maybe we'll have you back on once it's live. Uh, I hope so. That'd be, yeah. really, that'd be awesome. Maybe Eric can join us next time, too. Hopefully he's feeling better. He won't have the cooties. <laughs> yeah. God, that sucks. 
I don't know what I do if I lost my voice. Like I do so much with this damn thing. You especially. Oh my god. Like what happens when you lose your voice, Travis? Cuz It's a big pain in the butt. Yeah. It's a really big pain in the butt. Cuz you, you do should see my face when I see sick people around me. It's like Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Get away. Folks, I don't know if <laughs> you know this. I don't know if you know this, but Travis does a lot of um audiobook voiceover work. Like what are some of the audiobooks you've done, for example? Let's just throw those out there. Um I'm doing Will White's uh, Cradle series right now, which is really awesome. Um, I just finished a book for Tor called uh, uh, The Razor, which is sci-fi and is super, super, super awesome. I saw your video that you posted today on that. That it was comes really out in like three weeks. It's super good. It's super good. Um, I don't know. I've got a bunch of books. Have you ever done any like hmm. hot, smutty, pulp trash? I mean, I've done a lot of pulp trash, but not smutty pulp trash. Oh, I don't okay. do any erotica. She, she's, she hasn't. All right. She hasn't heard your stuff then. <laughs> no, no. You mean your wife? No yeah. super porny stuff. Oh, that's. She's, <laughs> she's got her stable of authors and it's like. <laughs> Tell it's me a, all. Yeah. Well, it's like that one book about hunting Bigfoot. It was called Size Matters. <laughs> So again, folks, I do some urban oh. fantasy, but urban fantasy, you know, it goes two ways. You got like an urban fantasy that's like your Dresden kind of urban fantasy, and then you got mm-hmm. your urban fantasy that's like people boinking werewolves. Oh, oh you mean God. like capital F fantasy versus? Yeah, Are we so, ever going to see yeah. the next Dresden book? Do you think it's like when is that thing coming out? It's been five. I don't know, but it does. Years. I'm going to read it in three hours. Oh God, right? I'm taking half a day and just going home and just reading the book. Wife comes home like, don't talk to me. I'm reading because, jeez. Uh, <laughs> and you'll be like, when does the next Dresden book come out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's going to be three hours of happiness and like contentment, and then it's going to be back to the years of woe. Well. I guess Together, I can. Re- I guess I can reread the series again. <laughs> well, <laughs> got to read it slow, man. Who does that? Uh, if you guys are looking for something similar to that, uh, there's an author, uh, Glenn Stewart. Um, yes. who does onset yes. that's uh and a bunch of other space novels and he is prolific as all out i think he's put like seven novels out this year or something like that they're have, all excellent i have read i have read i think one or two novels by uh glenn stewart yeah. and they are they are they are fantastic absolutely yeah, he fantastic. just he just rips through content and just drops it constantly it's like every month there's another book and it's it's I don't know lovely. how he does it. I don't know how he does. I can't keep up clearly because I'm like five books behind. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I, I don't know how he does it either, but I very much appreciate the fact that he does. I know. I wish some other authors authors would. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're rambling now, <laughs> folks. So thank you Sorry. for uh, no, that's no, fine. We that happens. Uh, so for just a couple quick programming notes, uh, Thursday for the land party, uh, we're going to be playing some Airmac Wastelands. Uh, that co-op, twin, sticky, shootery. It's not a MOBA, is it? Would you call it a MOBA, Spaz? It's not a MOBA. No, no. no. Uh, it's, it's it's very reminiscent of the uh, the old Genesis game, Herzog's Fight. Oh, right. Because you have you have a mech that can transform to a a flying mode and a ground walking mode, and you can pick up units and then move them around. Pick up. Uh, turrets and place them the airmech strike is the one that is more of a moba okay. but airmech wasteland is very much a a twin sticky uh right 
uh, ARPG. And uh, next week on the podcast, we had a guest, but they had to move uh, their time slot. So we've switched a few things around. And next week, we're going to talk about, because uh, we have all these winter sales coming up, we're going to do some research and figure out what games to look for on the upcoming, because uh, you know there's going to be so many goddamn sales. I mean, not just Steam, but Green Man, all, they're all going to be having sales. Like Fanatical especially, Green Man Gaming especially, they've been like top notch lately so we're going to give you an idea of which games to look for uh historical low prices that sort of thing uh we're calling it our 2018 buying guide so that's going to be next week uh so gentlemen thank you so much for coming back on the show to talk to us about uh rebel galaxy outlaw i don't know if you could tell but we are horrifically and disgustingly excited about it like yay we, we really want to put our mitts on this thing as soon as possible so we cannot. Thanks a ton for having us on. Oh, it's, yeah. pleasure's on this side of the table. Absolutely. Uh, but folks, I want to thank you all for listening. I'm sorry about what happened with Twitch. Uh, apparently, I thought I had my bit rate set correctly, but I didn't. I'm gonna have to fiddle with that. Uh, we lost Twitch early in the in the thing, so we were just on YouTube. Uh, so uh, yeah, sorry about that. But uh, hopefully, it won't happen again. And thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye. Cheers, y'all. Adios. Night.